Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard along with Rhino in the Element Well studio guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder and fine music on this hump day. Next to the last one of the month here we are in November and we cruise right into the final month of the year that being a December we're inside a month until Christmas. Thought you were talking about hump days, and I was like, wait, this is the last hump day in November. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's what it is. Patrick Shegok, Delta State University quarterback, nabs the Connerly Trophy, much deserved, I would say. What a phenomenal season and, honestly, career he's had for the statesman. I believe, Rhino, first time in 23 years. Is that right? That... A member of the Delta State football team is taking home the Connerly. Uh, congratulations to him. That is that is awesome. And again, much deserving. Big event last night at the Country Club of Jackson. So that's good stuff. On the financial front, the Dow is up 49 points. It's off its high. It was up around 120 earlier in the session. The NASDAQ up around 49 as well, also off the earlier high of the session. That is because a couple things are going on that I think are of interest. Uh, One is GDP. The report on GDP this morning, 5.2% growth rate in the third quarter. That's considerably stronger. I should say considerably stronger, consider even stronger than the first indicated, the first take on it. It's considerably stronger than was suggested at the beginning of the year, it's fair to say. So that has got investors feeling pretty good. Of course, along with that growth, typically there are concerns about inflation. But the Fed governors, even the hawkish governors, are signaling in their commentary that honestly you have to parse to figure out what they're saying because they're usually not very direct with their statements. Hey, maybe this inflation thing is getting under control and we're sort of done with the interest hiking campaign. That would be good. Now, it is interesting to note that you have to attribute some of the GDP increase to 
a substantial increase in government spending. And what do we get for that? A $2 trillion deficit. And that means that the government has to go borrow money. And, of course, it is injecting money into the economy, which is typically inflationary. So the the Fed's got kind of a a difficult, uh, difficult task of assembling all of that data and analyzing it and then acting on it appropriately. But uh, that's where we are. The news is also in on Cyber Monday, all-time record, and it was fueled by $12.4 billion. We said that economists were projecting 12. It came in at 12.4. And it was fueled in, in, uh, in a great way by the Buy Now, Pay Later services, BNPL, as they are described from an acronym perspective. And this simply allows you to buy stuff on credit. And there there's several of those services. Uh, PayPal, I think, is, has one. PayPal and four. Uh, Klarna is one. What's the other? Affirm, I think, is one. There are a few of them out there, and they're sort of plugged in to the payment processing screens in online purchase transactions. And it the system, if you select a buy now, pay later option, will do a really quick check. You kind of have to approve the system doing so. It'll do a real quick check on your bank accounts and I think a real high-level check of your credit without that impacting your credit report, and then they'll extend your credit. If you pay within a certain period of time, interest-free, but they usually give, depending on the size of the purchase, other options to spread out the payments, those are not interest-free. Those come with an interest payment. So this is just another sort of source of credit over and above your credit cards. Now, I'll confess, I don't know that I have to confess, but I'll certainly disclose, I use these systems regularly. However, I always select the interest-free option, which generally means the payments are spread into four installments every two weeks, usually. But it's interest-free, and my theory on that is, hey, if you're going to let me use your money for a month, essentially, or a couple of months... Um, and you're not going to charge me for it? Okay, I'm going to use your money. I'll go invest that money elsewhere and make a little off of it and conserve my cash. No, it's not a whole lot of money, but just from a principal perspective, I just take advantage of that sort of stuff. And it's you have to agree, of course, to automatic electronic payments, and they store your history. And if you ever missed one of those because you didn't have the money in your account to cover it, you ain't getting any credit <laughs> next time. Um, and so you wonder, well, how do they make money if they're not charging you any interest? And again, we are in an era you where... You are the product. That's exactly right. We are in an era, and, and this has been trending for some time, where your information is of significant value. And when you 
agree to the terms and conditions of those financial arrangements, you're agreeing to allow them to use your data. And that now, data, when you say it like that, it sounds like, oh, well, they got my Social Security no, number, no. they got my address, my driver's license yeah. number. No, not at all. The data they want is, all right, which demographic bucket do you fit into and cross-reference your interests so that if we find somebody that's in the same demographic bucket with the same interests, we know who to advertise to. And that comes down to even your your purchasing habits, what you're buying. I mean, if you buy some good, the theory is you're a customer for that category of goods. And so they're going to try to sell that to you in other ways, almost in a way that you can't tell. It just kind of shows up because we're all on this online system called the Internet all the time. I know that's shocking. Um, uh, but, series of tubes. <laughs> exactly. But they're pretty good about getting advertisements or information about products that you're likely to have an interest in just based on your prior buying habits that they have stored. And it all happens electronically in background. It's not like there's an army of people down there down there. They're saying, okay, push this one out to Gerard because he bought this last time. That's not how it works. It's completely electronic. They're very sophisticated, complex systems behind the scenes that handle all that. And it's pretty good in that it's efficient for the customer. It's efficient for the seller. Now, I know a lot of people out there may say, I wish they'd start or stop sending me uh, all those ads for stuff. And that's fair. I, I get it. But there are also, Rhino, a whole lot of people that do appreciate that. If, if they didn't, these folks wouldn't keep doing it. It's um, Well, it, there's it's a fine effective. line between a personalized shopping experience and being inundated with ads that that's true and i don't know that i have ever seen a situation and maybe folks have maybe you have that i've been inundated but where i peruse uh on the internet they show up and it says yeah okay he bought this or some something related to this in the past might have an interest in this and well my generation i remember a time before the internet but it came along at a point in my life where i I grew up with the internet, yeah, and because of that, I understand the the underlying framework there. So, I don't get inundated with ads because if I'm going to a website that I've never used before, I'm going to have an extra layer in there for payment, and they're not getting my real email address; they're getting a throwaway where yeah. it just all the junk you're going to send me now is going there, and I'll never see it. I've done that as well for, for folks that I don't really want to bug me other than this one transaction that I'm doing with them. I agree. But the the buy now, pay later purchases hit an all-time high. This was just reported four hours ago, up 43% from a year ago. Like I said, it's working or they wouldn't be doing it, and that's the... Uh, the evidence right there. 43% is a massive increase. We are coming back. We've got uh, Lori Watts, president of the Marion County Development Partnership at 1105. Quentin Whitwell, chairman of the board of Panola Medical Center at 1205. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. 
The ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. We should also point out ceasefire sponsors the Connerly Trophy. Chris and Summit on the ceasefire text line, or you can just talk about an item around your phone, and the next time you log on to Facebook, it will pop up. <laughs> They're out there listening. <laughs> What is Thomas saying? Most aren't disciplined enough for that. Is he talking about the buy now, pay later stuff, you think? Yeah, because that's the other way they make their money is if you don't make a payment. Yeah, it invokes like 30% interest. Oh, yeah. That's right. Jeff says QVC and HSN do that, but it's interest-free. That's what we said, Jeff. If you select the if you select the uh, uh, the interest-free option, typically it requires paying it over uh, in four installments, Four easy payments of twenty nine ninety nine. No, it's easy payments. <laughs> you got to emphasize. <laughs> but uh, over two months, every two weeks, and it and it tells you, you know, and you get all kinds of notifications, and of course, you have to supply an account that it will withdraw your payment from. And like Rhino said, if you default, if you don't make it, boom. As in accordance with the contract, the terms and conditions of the agreement that you checked, you clicked through, you're getting a 30% interest. But the, but that's not really their main source of income. It's selling your data to folks who want to sell you stuff. Just a bit of friendly life advice. What's that? From a friend's example. Okay. Not my example. <laughs> I wish my life was this funny. If at 3 in the morning you're watching the Home Shopping Network and you see a deal for a collection of a 1,000 pocket knives, <laughs> don't calculate the payments. Don't think about it. Don't pick up the phone. You don't need a 1,000 pocket knives. <laughs> don't be an impulse buyer of a 1,000 pocket knives. <laughs> Dave Ramsey doesn't approve of your shenanigans. I don't care what Dave Ramsey approves of. I don't have enough envelopes for Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, look, Dave, I think, offers uh, uh, well-heeled advice to a lot of folks, but a lot of folks aren't disciplined. So, uh, I, again, I, I take advantage of the fact that they're willing to let me use their money for a couple of months. That's the way I look at it. Now, of course, alternatively, I just don't buy it. But I do buy stuff. Um, I, I've ever, I'll tell you this, Rhino. I've even done charitable donations on Buy Now, Pay Later. That sometimes presents at the checkout screen. And again, they're getting their money immediately. It's the, the intermediary intermediary who's loaning that money to me for nothing for two months. I, it's just, I guess, my, my business instincts are, you're going to loan this to me for two months for nothing? Okay, I'll take it. Now, I'm not recommending you go do that, and you're right. You need to be disciplined. You need to stay away from impulse buying. I do know that economists have expressed concerns about this 43% increase in buy now pay later by the way none of those companies are making money yet the bnpl services none of them are in the black yet they're not producing a profit now that doesn't mean they won't ever but right now it's still a fairly new service well it's new as a standalone service yeah i mean you had 
major retailers that offered it as an in-house service for their customers. Or through third parties. I mean, if you ordered from the Sears catalog, I'm pretty sure towards the tail end of the Sears catalog, you had a payment plan system you could sign up for if you were approved. That's absolutely right. Uh, So-called in-house retail financing. Yeah. Uh, And some of them also have relationships, typically... um, retailers of big-ticket items that you might finance, like furniture, for example, appliances come to mind. Uh, they will. Uh, they have relationships with third parties who do that financing for you. You can do all that as part of the transaction. Um, and then they own it, and it sometimes is interest-free. Now, I've talked to people in that business. How, how do you guys make that work economically when you, in, in some cases, just 24 months, right? Uh, Best Buy is one that comes to mind. They've got a pretty aggressive pronoun, interest-free finance, 12 months, 24 months, depending on the amount. And, of course, you have to get approved for a certain amount. How do they make that happen? And a lot of people think, well, it's because folks tend to default uh, on it. It's a percentage of it. And it's a, but it's a tiny amount, i found, in, in talking to people in that business, that what they really want, again, just as you said, they want your email address because – I, I, and I take advantage of that. I bought stuff at Best Buy. Wait, you're going to finance this for – not that I can't afford it. I could buy it all now. I could pay you for it now. But if you're willing to let me use your money for 24 months for nothing, okay, I'm in. And I set it up on automatic payment. Don't worry about it. Uh, but what they want, of course, two things. That may inspire me, encourage me more if I know they're going to finance it for a couple of years and not charge me interest. I might be more likely as a customer to to buy that, whatever it is I want. And, and secondly... Well, you're more likely to buy more in that transaction right. or more in another transaction. Absolutely right. But what they are really good at is telling you constantly how much credit you got available on that interest-free line oh, yeah. so you can go buy something else. I mean, it, that's, that's fine. Uh, again, you need to be responsible and make sure you're taking care of your obligations. But from my perspective, you're going to let me use your money for a couple of years, so I'm going to take advantage of it. And what you get in exchange for that is me buying something from you. What I get for it is I get to use my money for other purposes while I'm paying you some installment amount over that period of time. But it's interesting that, and again, you know what's made all this possible is all this unbelievable technology and automation that we've created over the years. That that seems to get lost on the people on the left. Like you know, these tools that we've created, they're pretty good, and and so innovative organizations leverage these tools that would not be possible. Think about it, without all the information technology that we have created. As a as a society, uh, the last twenty five or so years, uh, it's unbelievable when you think about it, and they and they're just leveraging that for benefit. I think it's good. Well, but it's it was big time weekend uh, for sure from a sales perspective, and that that's good to see. Good news. I just hope that we don't have some sort of credit bubble out there that's going to crash. Some per, some economists are predicting. A troubled waters ahead in that department, and I hope that's not the case because that's that's not good, not good. You know, we talked yesterday about the satanic tree among the Christmas trees at a railroad museum up there in Wisconsin. In the four or five, as part of the 
what was it, the Green Bay Satanic Society or something like that that put the tree up. There, um, There's photos floating around the Internet of the four or five of them behind it, and they're just euphoric, are they not, about having their Satanic tree there among the, uh, the, the traditional Christmas trees where we celebrate the birth of Christ. <laughs> well, now we find out that listening to too much Christmas music is bad for your health. Liberals just hate fun. They really do. You can't have fun. They're just always unhappy, always grousing. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, you also saw where the Christmas tree, the national Christmas tree, it got blown over by the wind. <laughs> they were able to get it up, but it got blown over. And you could kind of insert a metaphor, could you not, in there. It's, it's kind of an affront to the to the Christmas season. You just wonder if it was planned by the liberals that they'll tell you they don't, but I I disagree. They're they work overtime to try to expunge Christmas and Christianity. Many do. I, again, I don't want to generalize and suggest that everybody on the left is anti-Christian. I don't want to suggest that. But it comes up a lot in left-leaning circles. There are You've seen municipalities and other governmental entities run by, by Democrats that prohibit the display of anything related to Christmas around the offices and the workspaces of their employees. It's ridiculous. But when we come back, we got to talk to you about a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan, a young one, in fact, eight years old, I believe. And he has been thrust into the national spotlight and we'll tell you why when we come back. Stay with us. We're in the Element Well Studio. Stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. It's middays. We're in the Element Well studio. So this young Kansas City Chiefs fan, (laughs) he is accused by a reporter from the sports outlet Dead Spin of wearing racist blackface photos (laughs) from photos showing him wearing the team colors. He failed to recognize that his face was evenly divided in half, vertically 
down the nose, half black, half red. Last time I checked, that's the Chiefs' colors. Well, no, he he noticed it because he was it was pointed out to him, and then he doubled down and said that he could make an argument that that's worse. Oh my gosh! Oh, because is is he in some way? And he had the the traditional Chiefs headdress because that's what Chiefs wear. They are the Kansas City Chiefs. He's just having fun. They hate fun. What kind of despicable human writes an article and scorns an eight-year-old for having fun? That just blows me away. For showing pride in his hometown team. It's just incredible. I mean, and he used a disingenuous image, only showing the half from a side, a sort of a side view. Now, apparently the Native American headdress was banned by the Chiefs in 2020. So I guess they're all bent out of shape about that. It's so ridiculous. So this writer, I'm not mistaken, the father of the young man is a is, member of a Native American tribe. Is Native American. That's absolutely right. So this, this child is an Indian, is a Native American Indian. Said uh, The writer said he doubled up on racism by wearing the clothes some consider, quote, cultural appropriation. I'm telling you, Rhino, every time you see that phrase, you know it's BS. That cultural appropriation is garbage. That's nonsense. That's somebody who just gets some sort of perverse pleasure out of being pompous and arrogant, sanctimonious. I'm superior to you. I don't appropriate culture. (laughs) And 99 times out of 100, the offended party is not a member of the quote-unquote appropriated culture. Virtually every time. You're so right about that. Uh, Now, this, this author also argues that the Chiefs need to change their name, same way the Redskins became the commanders. This wouldn't happen. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't the Chiefs have a discussion with some Native American uh, higher-ups who said that they're cool with it? I could be wrong about that. I seem to recall some some report on that from a while back, where they went and had a discussion with leaders. Um, It just seems like we get so bent out of shape about what amounts to nothing, but more importantly, exposing an eight-year-old like this and using them essentially as a prop, as a symbol for something that is insidious to suggest that this this eight-year-old in supporting their team by garnering the team's colors is racist? Are you kidding me? That just blows me away. And if I'm not mistaken, blackface also requires more than just painting your face black. Well, it did. I mean, Until idiots took over the meaning of it for anything they could partially and potentially be aggrieved by. Well, that's what's happening here. And it's... The term used to mean 
a mimicry of the old, what did they call it? Wasn't pantomime minstrel show? Yeah, yeah, right. And and you and in fact, you were supposed to true blackface mockery included that sort of animation and what was considered ridicule. You didn't just have just black paint on your face. I mean, this isn't even the first time a kid's been caught up in the controversy surrounding this. It was, what, two weeks ago when a kid showed up to a football game wearing eye black, but he had a little bit too much on and people lost their minds. Unbelievable. That's just unbelievable. Well, the mother of the young fan blasted Deadspin. Good for her for accusing her son, her eight-year-old son, of being racist. And she let him know, just as you pointed out, he is Native American himself. The kid is. Unbelievable. So the uh, <laughs> this reporter who used to write for the New York Daily News, he also slammed the young fan's Tomahawk chop gesture. Oh, the humanity. He claimed that the boy, quote, found a way to hate black people and Native Americans at the same time. Are you kidding me? An eight-year-old? Sounds like the reporter found a way to hate an eight-year-old for no good reason. Oh, my Just gosh. Just hate everywhere, why don't we? Well, these people that, that, that they project, because these people who denounce others that they don't even know as harboring hate and exhibiting hate and racism, themselves are hateful and racist. I'm just going to call you out there, Karen Phillips, the writer. What you did is disgusting and unforgivable to an eight-year-old. It's bad enough when you do it with adults. For an eight-year-old. And what happened to this concept that we always hear from the left about, well, you've got to contextualize it. That just seems to be out the window in these situations. This person is just trying to make a dead gum name for themselves. Well, you're getting one, buddy. You're getting one as a hater of children. Take it a step further. The same people that get up in arms about this think that, oh, well, you just stole $500 worth of stuff. You should get a second chance. You just made a mistake, if they even think it was a, a crime at all. Man. They're more forgiving of actual criminals than people who think differently than them or potentially think differently than them without actually even thinking differently than them. It's really sad. I'm just telling you, this is sad. It's an eight-year-old having fun. They hate fun. It's because the left half of society has gotten softer than Charmin. It's ridiculous, man. Uh, it really bothers me. And they hate the very institutions that made their life that easy. That's very true. Very true. So like they go to the store and they see things locked up on the store and they, oh, this is late-stage, end-stage capitalism right here. No, it's because you voted for soft-owned crime that's idiots. That's absolutely true. That's totally true. Uh, and But this is a situation where, think about this. You try to teach children respect adults. And 
you, you want that, right? You want adults to be responsible, and you want children to be able to learn from them. Well, what do you learn from this idiot who's just totally irresponsible with their actions to write an article? Well, I'm sure they'll learn how much Deadspin's worth at this point. Well, that's right. And I, golly, man. Will Deadspin go the way of Jezebel? Exactly. What about, uh, what was the kid's name in Washington that sued in one big suit from CNN? Remember that? On a trip to Washington with his high school from Ohio, I believe, Catholic school. can't remember the kid's name, but he owned them. Good for him. Remember that? The, uh, yeah, getting, Nick Salmon. That's it. Yeah, getting in his face. Oh, my gosh, man. I sure hope people are waking up about this stuff and seeing how despicable, despicable all this cancel culture rot is and how trying to weave race and climate and gender into every aspect of life is ridiculous. It just is. Um, you know, I saw where Mayorkas, once again, we got this crisis at the border that the Biden administration refuses to acknowledge and Homeland Security Chief Mayorkas needs to be ousted. He needs to be impeached. And I don't know who's out there listening among our congressional delegation. And I have let Michael Guest know my feelings on that. And, and I know they tried and didn't get all the votes. And, and mainly, I saw an interview with Daryl Issa, Republican from California this morning, who said he didn't like the way the procedure worked. He seems like he could get on board. But that guy needs to be impeached. He, he has not done his duty, and in fact, he's hurting this country with the drugs, with empowerment of the cartels, with the money that it's costing Americans to deal with this situation, with terrorists that are crossing over our border. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Lori Watts coming on with us at 11.05 from Marion County. Stay with us. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. The familiar vocals of the late Brad Delp. Appreciate that, Rhino. We're in the Element Well studio. So, talking about this Kansas City Chiefs fan who seemed to ignite a firestorm in the brain, if you could call it that, feeble as it may be. Man, I I have no mercy. I just got to tell you, I, I don't like jumping on folks like this, but when you jump on, you assail a child. You cross the line for me. Not only are you totally wrong, but you need to you need to pay the price. I don't know what that is. I don't know if there were any laws broken that you could drag this fool and his publisher into court. But that's just wrong. 
you wonder why we have issues with the youth in this country? It's because of people like that. But this is what he says. Quote, this is what happens when you ban books, stand against critical race theory, and try to erase centuries of hate. You give future generations the ammunition they need to evolve and recreate racism better than before. So this eight-year-old, he's already deemed, concluded, unequivocally, is a racist, and it's all because we're not teaching Marxist principles in our classrooms that we're banning totally inappropriate books, mainly which feature vulgarity and profanity and way too mature sexual content which simply attempts and has the goal of thrusting this radical gender ideology on eight-year-olds. He couldn't be more wrong. Well, it sounds like he's a liberal, so he's wrong from the start. (laughs) Unbelievable. His mother, by the way, said he got a tremendous positive reception at the game. Think about that. You're eight, and all these adults are cheering you, patting you on the back. The players did the chop with him. I know. You're right. Saw that, too. Imagine that. And this this wait a second. The players just happened to be African-American. Unbelievable. Uh, That's exactly right. So this fool rider... (laughs) <laughs> he's wanting the Chiefs and the NFL corporate to get involved in this. you got to be kidding me. An eight-year-old. Oh, yeah. That's top priority. Incredible. Just incredible. He's an idiot and a woke scold. Gosh. And and I'm, I'm looking, by the way, at a... A family, a beautiful photo of the family. Big Chiefs fans, all decked out. It's incredible. Just having fun. I thought that's what we're supposed to do. That's what, by the way, that's what NFL football is. It's recreation there. It's entertainment. They're entertainers. He misses that, I guess. That's what they do here. Entertain. It's an industry. People go to have fun. I know that's a foreign concept. Well, journalism is an industry, too, and they've found out that if you can just get people to get angry enough to share your stuff, they don't actually have to read it. They don't care about the facts. You're just working purely on emotion and anger. Well, you're right, and maybe I shouldn't even call attention to it. I'm giving him what he wants, and but I feel so much for the kid and their family. I mean, they're. Just I mean, if Deadspin wants to have a publication in the next six months to a year, this dude needs to have a pink slip waiting on his desk now. I totally agree. On the ceasefire, or the family is going to own Deadspin, right, and that'd be fine with me. Uh, what could it be? Possible defamation of character? I, I guess. I mean, uh, smart lawyers will have to figure that out. You know, you don't want to be. If Hulk Hogan can take down one of these kind of places, that's true. 
That is very true. A, a, a totally public figure who's who usually uh, they're exempt from those kinds of charges. But I hope they do it. I really do. Timmy McGee says, my dad always said before he died long ago, we ought to give it back to the Indians. I'm beginning to think he was right. In September, the Washington commanders are sued by Native American group for removing the redskin identity. Well, I thought I'd heard something about that, and I, and I thought I heard something similar uh, vis-a-vis the Kansas City Chiefs. Lindy from Gluckstadt, I believe, hit the nail on the head, Rhino. The reporter hates himself and is miserable. Misery loves company. I agree with you, Lindy. They want everybody else to be miserable, and they don't want them to have fun. But using an eight-year-old for your goal, nah. You Why is it line. academia and journalism that's just full of the most miserable, sore, you-know-what's in the world? It's like a magnet for that industry. We're stepping aside for Fox News, Super Talk News. Lori Watts and John Cooper, when we come back from Marion County, Columbia. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone hour two of middays we are live in the element well studio on this hump day joining us now Lori watts president of marion county development partnership and john cooper the president of a trustmark in columbia welcome folks uh well i know it's christmas time and you guys always have lots of great events going on there in marion county and Columbia, welcome to the program. Lori, give us an idea of what the schedule looks like. Thank you, Gerard. We're happy to be here. Uh, everything kicks off um, Friday night. This Friday night, we start with our parade of lights to open the festivities. And then uh, events in the downtown area, the lights will be on, the music will be playing. And starting on December 8th and every Friday and Saturday after that, we will have the live nativity presentation that happens on the rooftops in the downtown area. Uh, but starting this weekend, I, we have amusement rides in the da- uh, on Second Street. The shops will be open on Main Street and Second for uh, evening shopping during the weekend nights. And we're looking forward to a great season. Yeah, and if uh, folks across the state, if you haven't been to uh, the city of Columbia, really cool. Uh, community and very neat mainstream uh, main street and uh, downtown area it's it's picturesque uh, certainly uh, at Christmas we've been down there and done the show from there um, also John uh, the president of the trustmark in Columbia right there on Main Street right John right on Main Street very uh, middle of the middle of the block we're happy to be the the, the anchor I've uh, been here a hundred years this year so we're wow. We're uh, in that location, so we're very pleased to, to, to be here and still supporting Main Street and, and Main Street Columbia and everything that's, that's going on here. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's uh, so, Lori, it's a, it's a big deal that attracts folks from not just locally there in Columbia, but from uh, across the region uh, come in for the various events. And it, it really is something to see. 
It is, Gerard. And this this year we have a, a little bit of a change, a little bit of different uh, offerings. We are not having the skating rink that people have been used to the last few years. Uh, and the light show is a little different, but the live nativity is going. We are having amusement uh, rides like carousel and, and other rides for the kids. We have the Grinch train, which is always a favorite for the children. <laughs> they get to ride through uh, with the Grinch riding through a lighted area that is a lot of fun for them. So um, we have lots of things going on well the live nativity talk to us about that uh lori that's a that's a bit unique you don't see that uh i think as much as you do i think back when uh when i was a youngster it was a more common but I, i'm glad to see you guys have, have kind of kept that tradition going uh what can you tell us about that well it really started uh, just about five years ago and uh People had, because our Main Street is very unique, it's very wide, and it sort of offers a unique um, venue to present this, we have the ability to present the characters in the nativity on the rooftops. And um, so it it really uh, is quite a draw. People enjoy watching it, seeing the angels on the rooftops as the Holy Family comes yeah. down Main Street. Uh, it's uh, it is a unique experience, and uh, we have a guest um, surprise guest narrator for part of that this year that people will recognize a well known Mississippi voice, uh, but I'm not going to say who it is yet. But <laughs> that's going to be a great surprise for us as part of the narration for that presentation. John, what about the the business community? Is is this uh, embraced by the business community? And I gotta believe this uh, has a significant positive economic impact on the uh, the local businesses. It it, it is a if what uh, the downtown area you know looks forward to every December. You know our shops downtown uh, are really looking forward to the number of visitors coming in, uh, people coming through their shops, getting ready for Christmas, and 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 shopping for Christmas in these unique uh, stores. Uh, you know you start seeing more and more. Uh, boutiques opening up, you know, not just here, but throughout the, the state, throughout the country. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that type of, type of shopping is, is becoming more and more prevalent. So, uh, our businesses downtown are really looking forward to this, this time and bringing in not just people from around Marion County, but from people around South Mississippi and throughout the region, uh, to, to come and visit again. Uh, and enjoy Christmas and enjoy times with, uh, you know, with the shops. Yeah. Do, do the hours of operations, do they change those given the events? And sometimes I guess that goes beyond their typical hours. Lori, how does that work? It does. The stores stay open. This year particularly, they are, we're focusing on the Friday and Saturday night shopping. Um, so uh, most Almost all our stores will be opening extended hours on those weekend evenings. Yeah. Um, and so that, that is something that they all have to reschedule and, and make allowances for having staff and that sort of thing for the extended hours. But it's certainly worth it because of the visit, visitors that come in at that time. Yeah. John, how, how's, uh, how's business just in, in general? How, how's the bank doing uh, in the uh, area? What's it looking like economically? Uh, 
everything you know we're you know considering the economics of uh, of the overall economy we're yeah. we're doing well the banks are doing well in the area uh you know it's it's uh it's a challenging time for all banks um you know in this in this environment uh rising rates is is a challenging time for our customers uh and uh and you know we we understand that and it's just uh you know it's the economy of of uh of our day but uh given given the economy you know it's it's been a good year yeah i mean it's it's a cyclical as you well know anybody that's uh, worked in the finance industry kind of expects those uh those cycles uh but you get through it and everything i'm seeing we just got gdp this morning uh, report which was quite positive rather shocking honestly uh but looks like 2024 is going to be really strong from a financial perspective well, we hope so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lori, anything you talked to us about uh, uh, some changes you have uh, made this year relative to prior years. I know you guys are already starting to think about next year. Anything you can share with us uh, along those lines? Absolutely. We can. We will be uh, moving in that direction as soon as we finish up the celebration this year we'll be talking about what we can add for the following year uh, and we don't have those plans down yet uh, certainly not firm enough that we could make an announcement but we are looking to continue to add attractions and activities every year as we move forward what about just the Chamber of Commerce in general there in Marion County? Uh, everybody feeling fairly positive ab- about the area and about the future? Absolutely. We've had great growth this year. Uh, the city has um, built a sportsplex this year that has been extremely successful. We have some new development uh, in some other of our business areas, some new uh, shopping centers that have been built or strip areas with uh, new medical facilities. And so there is lots of growth. Um, happening here and we've had uh, great results with our schools recently so they are improving steadily so the the outlook is good um, and we just I I always say we we always move forward yeah well I remember talking about the the sports facility it was in the works uh, last year right so is that complete and open for operation now it is. It's been open since this past April and okay. has been very successful. We've had lots of, of great response to that. So it is, uh, it is moving in the direction that we were, we were hoping for. So it's, it's a great addition to the city. Yeah. Um, having been a coach in youth sports for a couple of decades, uh, I can tell you there's an economic impact associated with that that's positive for those communities. It's a pretty big deal. I'm quite sure the shops, the restaurants, the hotels are very appreciative of that. It has been quite good. We have some mobile location data that indicates that our visits to the area are continually increasing and our sales tax, you know, we have a tourism 3% tax and that has continually increased throughout this year. So we're, we're thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. We appreciate you guys coming on the program today and giving us a rundown of the activities. I know it's going to be a great celebration of Christmas uh, in Columbia and Marion County. Thank you guys for coming on, and I hope you have a happy, safe, and Merry Christmas. Thank Thank you. you. 
We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. That keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone that's toto that's from the all hit request line rhino has dug up a nugget (laughs) that he's known for doing turns out that keith carlock we were playing little toto there keith carlock he is a drummer from clinton mississippi had no idea. Has played drums with Toto, Wayne Krantz, Steely Dan, James Taylor, Donald Fagan, who was with Steely Dan, I believe, right? Walter Becker, Tal Wilkenfield, John Mayer, Sting, and Chris Body. Wow. He was Modern Drummer's 2009 Reader's Poll. In that poll, he was voted the best pop fusion and all-around drummer. He is a member of the Mississippi Musicians Hall of Fame. Appreciate you digging that up. That's pretty cool. So happy birthday, Keith Carlock. This would be his birthday. I believe he's 52 today, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Wow. That is incredible. That's uh, very impressive to have uh, some stints with those very high-powered Famous uh, groups there. Pretty neat. Didn't know that. Uh, to have toured with both Steely Dan and Toto. That's something. That's incredible. Of course, Walter Becker was also Steely Dan uh, co-founder. So, yeah, that is amazing. And I uh, had no idea that was from Mississippi. That is impressive. But we should not be shocked because Mississippi has an abundance of world-class musicians, for sure. We were, of course, up at the Grammy Museum Mississippi last week and got a first-hand look at many of those musicians that have sort of put Mississippi on the map for music without a doubt. Can't think of another state that has such a rich history with such diversity of musical talent and across the various musical genres. That's pretty neat, pretty cool. No doubt about it. You know, uh, 
I'm disappointed in the Catholic Church, and there's a bit of consternation going on within the church, and it all, once again, is rooted in all this woke stuff. But St. Mary's president, Katie Conboy, has informed the campus that the Board of Trustees will admit to St. Mary's College, which, by the way, is a Catholic girls' college, a women's college, They have announced they will begin admitting students who, quote, identify as women in the fall of 2024. The president says the Board of Trustees, quote, fully supports it. This confidence from our board underscores their commitment that as an employer, St. Mary's must stand firm in its position as an inclusive community leader, and that as educators, We should continue to create an environment where all women belong and thrive. Except those who identify as a woman who are really men are not women. Can it be any more clear than that? (laughs) Did I miss something in that definition? Unbelievable. Where did it come from? I, I just scratch my head every day. And I, um, as a practicing Catholic, born and raised, still, I'm disappointed. This is ridiculous. And where did this idea come from that, first, that you're entitled to be included? Let's put it that way. That you're just entitled to it. You want it, you're entitled to it. In this case, you're a biological male. You have the anatomy of a male. And I'm not talking about a male who's been butchered to hell and back in an attempt to transition them to a female. You're still a male. And you're not entitled to be included in a female college. Among the student population. It's just incredible. It that's there's there's this inclusive idea is just gone awry. Again, I say what we should be focusing on is exclusion. Any scenarios where people are excluded. Now in this case, you're a girls' college and you're offering an experience, an environment that is supposed to be purpose-built around being a female. And there are certain females, this is a private college, who like the idea of going to college with all girls. And it could be for academic reasons, it could be for culture, who knows? doesn't really matter. And, and because you're private, you certainly have the right to change the rules here and admit whoever you want, as far as I'm concerned. I just think it's wrong-headed. I think it's misguided. It's disappointing at, at a minimum. More stuff from the world of higher ed 
You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Iowa Board of Regents has voted to abolish and the University of Iowa, what we're talking about, all DEI initiatives. I applaud that. I think every college in America should eliminate. And I know that's not a popular viewpoint because I don't see what value they're producing. I don't understand why that's so integral to the purpose of going to college. You're not entitled, like what we report last week, the University of Nebraska in this little safe space for dressing how you want in a way that you think kind of fits your personality or how you in your brain identify. And it's specifically designed, and they have all these clothes that are specifically designed for what they call them, Rhino, agender people. Well, the University of Iowa is taking it even a step Further, So the Board of Regents approved a proposal to abolish all DEI and inclusion initiatives. And now some of the higher paid deans at the university, they're coming into focus and they're looking at uh, eliminating some of these. I agree. They're looking at downsizing their staff. Think it makes sense? Unbelievable. They are, uh, by the way, at the University of Iowa, the associate vice president for DEI pockets three hundred and seventy-five grand a year to do what? I don't get it. What is the value proposition of that? And then there's a. There's a vice president, 343, director of equal opportunity who gets 300 grand. <laughs> it's just incredible. And this is, you know, this is nationwide. This is across the country. We're simply using Iowa, talking about Iowa, because they have their board of regents, the body which governs policy there uh, at the university, say, we ain't doing this anymore. You know what's happening is these folks are hurting for enrollment. You've seen we haven't seen that here in Mississippi. We've been fortunate in that respect, um, but we've seen across the country in general enrollment at the higher ed levels down. Guess what that means? Money, revenue, and you know what? You start looking for opportunities to cut frivolous expenses when you're behind the eight ball financially. And that's what's happening here in Iowa. And I don't blame them. They look, well, let's see, we got this this vice president of DEI making 375 And by the way, that's 375 base pay. When you're in the public sector, as we've talked about here on the program, you add in the egregious benefits, because that also includes public pension. Add, a 40, add 40% to that figure to get the total cost of the compensation package. Incredible. We're stepping aside for a break. The market, uh, the Dow now up over 100. Leonard Skinner bumping us out here. We'll be right back. Mississippi. Ready, ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbons. 
on Super Talk Mississippi. into this segment yeah that was the b-side i'm a believer that's exactly right sure was i'm a believer huge hit i guess they're first i believe it was big enough to make that one chart too exactly and that was a big hit that's pretty cool uh and then of course who could forget the the monkeys television program aired on saturday mornings part of the cartoon lineup i think it came right after the cartoons Always look forward to that. See what kind of antics. <laughs> I never could get into the monkeys or the Partridge family on Nick at Night. When they came on, I was like, yep, it's time to find something else to do. <laughs> I like to watch the Cartoon Network, though. You ever tune into that? Oh, yeah. Boomerang? Well, that's the, uh, that the, the retro one? one, yeah. Okay, that's, that's the one, the one, one that like. plays all the old Hanna-Barbera. And, yeah. 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 Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Race Bannon, Haji, Johnny, and Dr. Quest. Pretty cool. They always got on that airplane just in the nick of time, didn't they? <laughs> oh, gosh. On the ceasefire text line, we've been talking about some of the awokeness that has blanketed the nation. The woke crowd can make a head of lettuce woke these days, says Tim from Tupelo. That's absolutely not too far off there. Does seem they can just turn anything into something related to climate, race, and gender. Incredible. Dan in Hattiesburg says, Gerard, they don't want the NFL to make money. Fun equals money. Can't have that. That is so true. That is so true. I never cared for the monkey, says Mose. I'd rather watch the Munsters or the Adams family. All good stuff. Uh, I think I kind of like the monkeys because I, I, I will say I did like the music of the time. Was it like 65, 66, something like that? I think that Sometime was released 67. Okay, 67. Close. But yeah, mid to late 60s. I, I can actually remember. Uh, that there were monkeys trading cards, like baseball trading cards. You get, you know, a stick of gum in the pack, and you would collect them. There'd be, I want to say, photos on one side, and on the other side, you collected them to put a puzzle together that had, like, a big photo, which just kept you <laughs> buying more because there was always one or two little rectangles that you needed to fill in, and you just kept buying if you chewed all the bubble gum, you wouldn't have any teeth, more than likely. Oh, gosh. Pretty cool. 
I was, uh, you know, I like to follow old Robert Reich, as Rush used to say over there. And he's got a video now, the seven biggest failures of Trumponomics. <laughs> and the one thing that he, like old Chuck Schumer, always get so aggrieved about is stock buybacks. When public companies use their cash, use their money to buy their stock, put it in the treasury, which just essentially reduces the number of shares outstanding, and that props up the price of the stock. It's it's a way, essentially, to hold the stock price up and reward investors. And that, you don't understand that, you see, you invest for a return. You take risk with your money with the hope, at least, that you're going to make some money off of that investment. It's gonna You're going to end up with more than you put in. And... He goes on to rail on that. He's got these seven failures, and one of the things he talks about was wages. And he has the nerve to talk about wages adjusted for inflation. And i got to tell you, his data's wrong. It's just wrong. And my data comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the federal agency that tracks this sort of stuff. And real wages increased during his four years about four grand on average. That's just fact. In the Biden years, they've declined because even though nominal wages have increased, inflation is eating all that up and then some. And he again, he gets all mad because of, of uh, corporations using the tax cuts to buy back stocks. So here's my question for people like Wright. Okay, so then they use their stock, uh, pardon me, their, the tax cuts to buy back stock. And so because of that, we just need to raise taxes? Which, once again, there's no logic there. Like, the the purpose of taxes is to raise the minimal amount of revenue needed and no more to to fund the constitutionally appropriate functions of government. Now, I get those last few words there are a subject of much debate because the left would tell you that this myriad of redistribution programs are constitutionally appropriate, but they're not. But again, I ask, well, what do you want, Mr. Wright? We, you just want them to send more money to Washington. You're mad because they're keeping more of their money. Now, the other thing that's missing, and we shared this on the program a couple of weeks ago, is that corporate income taxes after the tax cuts are up rather significantly. So on the one hand, you're all mad because they're making more money, they're producing more profit, but they're also, as a result, paying more taxes. And that's what the tax cuts were designed to achieve. When companies know that, hey, I get to keep more of what I make, well, then I'm going to try to make more. And in trying to make more, you know what they do? They hire 
They invest. They take risk. They expand. And then what happens is those investments pay off and they make more money. And then when they make more money, they pay more taxes. It's a pretty simple concept. It seems to be lost on Reich and his ilk. So you're wrong, sir. And unfortunately, you got a bunch of people. I, look at the com- I love to read the comments, these people. This is what Trumpsters refuse to hear and acknowledge. That's what they say. Trumpsters. And it's always this, but these cuts for the rich have just not trickled down. Which is such a dumb thing. And so, okay, well then, let's raise taxes. So you can take more and just shove it out the door to them and drop it out of helicopters while piling it on our deficit debt. Just incredible. It's just payouts for wealthy investors. He promised a... Oh, this is something else that he says. He promised a tax cuts for middle-class Americans, but he goes on to say... Pay attention here. He goes on to say, instead, most Americans will end up paying more by 2027. Okay? This is what he's talking about, something we've discussed here on the program, which is the individual provisions of the so-called Trump tax cuts expire at the end of 25. So for, for tax year 26... When you calculate your taxes in 27, you're going to pay more unless those tax cuts are extended. So you're effectively admitting here, Mr. Wright, that, oh, in 17, when the law went into effect, between then and 27, they are paying less in taxes. But you're always telling us all the cuts went to the rich. So which is it here? And now you're mad because, oh, well, heck, they're going to have to pay more in 27. That's because no Democrats would support it. Unbelievable. But but see, the average person, you know this, they don't... They don't understand all those nuances, and they honestly shouldn't have to if people like Reich, who do have a following, who does have some stroke, would tell the damn truth. Well, taking economic advice from someone like him is like taking trading advice from Jim Cramer. Don't do it. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much assures losses in your portfolio. That is really good if you do that. Oh my God! Unbelievable. Um, it's a, it's just so frustrating, in my view. Foreigner bumping us out of this segment here. Coming right back with more in the Element Well Studio. Quentin Whitwell, chairman of the board and co-owner of Panola Medical Center, will join middays at twelve oh five. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi.
everyone it's middays that's the moody blues your wildest dreams a good video too for that one Bo on the ceasefire text line from oxford says did you ever notice that johnny looked more like race bannon than he did dr quest <laughs> yeah i hadn't thought about that hey gerard steve here i like the monkeys music and love the monkeys mobile i like that too it's pretty cool agree I enjoyed monkeying around on Saturday morning, says Sharpie in Wayne County. Saw the monkeys at CTC last month. Wow, look at that. Was it there? That is the vehicle. I didn't know that. They're cruising the coast. Oh, man. Reese in Clarksdale says, you know, you can't spell triumph without Trump. Gerard, if your listeners don't know how old you are, they do now. If you remember the monkeys in the TV show, you're up there with me in age. (laughs) Absolutely. It amazes me, says Paula Meridian, how much people think the government deserves to take more of the money from people that earn it. The government doesn't, doesn't earn anything. They just take. Agree. Agree with you on that, Paul. And, again, watching these... These little clips produced by Reich. And and then reading the comments. It's the comments that bother me because they, they just absolutely ingest this information and consider it gospel. Here's, here's one comment on this uh, three-and-a-half-minute video entitled The Seven Biggest Failures of Trumponomics. Y'all see these facts, Trumpers? Why hasn't the Republicans came out to redispute? No, it says to dispute these facts. These fact. They haven't come out against this is because they can't. They are depending on y'all to continue being ignorant. They're depending on y'all to continue to look the other way and follow them blindly. They don't have anything new to offer the poor or middle class, so they're counting on y'all to believe their lies. Wake up, poor! (laughs) I don't even know what to say after that. (laughs) Unbelievable. That is the garbage they peddle. (laughs) Unbelievable. That feels like one of those old... Don't point your finger because you got three more pointing back at you. That's true. Because <laughs> uh, there was a whole lot of ignorant in that. Statement. I know that's sad. Uh, that you know what that exhibits a failure of our education system. Is what that that demonstrates. Y'all, if this is the truth, why don't Democrats use these failures against him and the Republicans? Because there are no failures. The average person on the street will tell you, poll after poll, reflects it. Yeah, things were a lot better back then. Gas was cheaper. Groceries were cheaper. I didn't have to worry about every time I went and bought something, the price went up again. My wages were rising. The borders didn't have the ridiculous streaming of people across it right now, including terrorists, where the drug cartels own the border with Mexico. Drugs coming across. 
You didn't have rampant crime the way we do. And I argue we wouldn't have had the situation in Gaza. We had respect. We didn't have a botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. I mean, you just go down the list, can you not? People do remember that. They felt better. The majority of people felt better about the country. Which, speaking of the botched Afghanistan withdrawal, I've seen reports now that soldiers who were ordered to leave stuff behind are having to hit the hip to replace it. They were ordered by our government to leave it behind, and now they're asking for remuneration to cover the cost. you got to be kidding me. Man, it's it's all just so sickening. It it, it truly is. Um, man, man, oh man. And you've got more coming out of old Liz Warren basically suggesting that corporations are responsible for inflation that they've just magically started raising prices and that Biden says he's got some sort of supply chain committee that's studying stuff and and uh, and that the, the, I fixed all the supply chain issues why are prices going up without any regard to the core cause of inflation because I don't really think he understands the core cause nor does Liz Warren. Stop the price gouging. That's what he said a couple of days ago. Any corporation that hasn't brought their prices back down, it's time to stop the price gouging. Of course, he didn't complete the sentence. I read that verbatim, what he said. It's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. When we come back, Quentin Whitwell, chairman of the board and co-owner of Panola Medical Center. Stay with us. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's hour three. The afternoon portion of Middays is with you live now on this hump day. Welcome to the program now. Quentin Whitwell, chairman of the board and co-owner of the Panola Medical Center. Hey, Quentin, how's it going, man? Gerard, it's good to see you, my friend. Yes, sir. Glad you could uh, join us today to talk about uh, something that... Uh, certainly is on the mind of most, if not all, Mississippians. I know it's on the mind of all those folks down there at the Capitol, and that's health care. Uh, and, in fact, it's a it's a national issue. It has been thrust into the limelight. There are so many dynamics uh, involved in the industry. And uh, certainly the COVID pandemic uh, was somewhat transformational for a good part of the industry as well, kind of a before and after observation of that. Uh, but most recently, yeah. uh, Governor Reeves, as you, you are well aware, uh, has has submitted a proposal, the Reeves administration, uh, to Medicaid, to federal CMS, uh, to talk about increasing reimbursements uh, to the state under the existing Medicaid program. It would amount to some $700 million 
at the gross level, and the state's uh, share of that, the, the matching portion, would be funded uh, with some fees that would be levied on hospitals that would receive these additional funds under this program. Uh, first, just get your, your thoughts overall about the program and, and how you may benefit from it, if at all. Sure. Well, I, I've said before, and I'll say again, if I was in the oil and gas industry and I had a proposal that we could self-fund um, uh, something that would then turn into more money and leverage it, that anybody would do it. And why it isn't being done in healthcare, I don't know. It really speaks to uh, the disparities and coverages that a lot of people have. And uh, I feel very passionate about making sure that all of our citizens in Mississippi are served and served well. And I'm very thankful that our hospitals uh, do such a great job of taking care of patients, even when they're indigent and uh, uninsured. Um, in this instance, I am very thankful for the governor for uh, following this uh program for the enhancement. I think that the enhancement is a good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of the federal monies that we would have been eligible for many, many years ago are, are not as extensive as they used to be. Uh, I haven't analyzed his formula to know if it's if that impact is exactly the way it is. And I think a lot of it's based on volumes of anticipation down the of what you've had in the past. Um, so like a hospital like Greenwood, Lafleur, for example, I don't think it's going to get nearly as much money because they don't have nearly as many services right. as they did back then. Um, and, you know, so from my perspective, getting the enhanced money, should we do it? Am I glad he did it? Yes. I'm very uh, thankful. I support it. Um, I hope it happens. I do believe, though, if I'm the feds, I'm probably saying, okay, well, wait a minute, you're wanting your cake, but you want to eat it too <laughs> because you're not expanding for the population and the actual persons that need the insurance. And so why would we allow you to take and not give? And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't end up in a situation where we have to look at both in the legislature this year before it's over with. Um, but we'll see. So, Quinn, are, are you suggesting that it's possible that when CMS reviews the state's proposal, they come back and say, hey, we'll approve this thing if you expand Medicaid, add the coverage group of, of able-bodied adults to your existing uh, Medicaid program? Do you think that's a possibility? I do. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and you make a good point and, and something we've talked about on the show. No, I, I appreciate you, you, your candor, and, and I know you you're deal with this every day. But um, we, we should point out that this is simply a request to use some, some existing uh, regulations, essentially, existing law, uh, to allow the state to receive a higher reimbursement, an enhanced reimbursement, on the existing coverage groups that we operate in our Medicaid program. That's essentially what this is, yeah. and, and Medicaid, as we point out, well, is, I, I, is, a, is a joint um, matching program. The state has to pick up a part of it, and in this case, sure. that would be covered through 
uh, through fees, essentially, uh, that would come from the hospitals that would receive this additional money. The other thing before before I let you comment is we have to consider, do we not, that our disproportionate share payments may decrease as a result of this, right? So we have kind of a net, a gross and a net. Yes. Uh, no, I agree with that. And and that's the funny thing is that, uh, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, every time you look at, you know, well, we're going to pick this up, but then we're going to lose. And, and it's a complicated formula. I just wanted to throw that out there a little bit provocatively, Gerard, just because I, I, I think that that both sides of the equation are going to have to be looked at. And I think that CMS as a uh, federal entity that, you know, relinquishes the, the funds for our hospitals is going to want to make sure that we we're a fully honest broker in what we're doing and what we're applying for. That's all I'm saying on that. I got you. Now I'm going to say this and, and, and I'll add this component. We have been very bullish about the new rural emergency hospital model, which has a, a, a subsidy direct from the feds every year. Uh, and, really improves outpatient services in hospitals that really are declining on the inpatient side anyway. Yeah. Um, it's not for everybody or for every hospital, but it does also have some detractions like your Jerry psych unit cannot be attached. Um, hmm. And there are other things. And so we're asking the legislature this year to, uh, to look at some legislation related to the utilization of the former inpatient facilities in the hospitals that have converted to rural emergency, um, and and so I want to make I wanted to bring your audience up to speed about rural emergency hospitals and the fact that they are um, that they're uh, of benefit. I, I was uh, fortunate to be the very first one in the country um, in a role that I play as CEO at the Irwin County Hospital in Georgia. And, um, and so, and then we did the second one in the country and now we've done six and we're about to do two more. So, uh, and this spans from, uh, Georgia to Arkansas, including Mississippi and Alabama. So, um, I think that's going to be something to look at in the legislature is making sure we clear up what REHs, uh, can and cannot do and, and, and our CON laws as it relates to that. Uh, I think that we need to, I hope that the, that CMS will respond to the governor quickly while we're in the session, uh, so that the legislature can look at any cleanups or tweaks that they might need to make. Um, and I just want to say, um, yeah, I'm here in Nashville on, uh, meetings, but, um, it's always, uh, good to see you in Oxford, uh, when you sneak in and, uh, I appreciate you having, me on your show and uh, look forward to any future dialogue uh, about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, it, these people in rural areas deserve really good care. And they, you know, I mean, I just never thought I'd be in a place in the state of Mississippi that is so rural where I felt like rural areas were the ones just getting the beat down. Yeah. And I just I, and I, I hope that that changes over the course of this next, uh, uh, you know, cycle of uh, with our new leaders and elected officials. And you're probably aware, uh, Quentin, that our, our, our urban facilities aren't faring very well either. I mean, they're experiencing difficult economic times. Some are flat out losing money. I've looked at their financial statements, discussed it on the program and and talked to them about it. Yes. So it's it's a. 
You know that we have a very low commercial reimbursement rate as well, which most states sort of rely on that to offset uh, the very low reimbursement rates of Medicaid and Medicare. And even if our Medicaid gets up to, under this program, potentially level or just below commercial reimbursement rate, that's still a very low rate relative to the rest of the country. Yeah, no, you're right. And unfortunately, of course, not just in Mississippi, but in Mississippi for sure, between the the pre-authorizations and all of the uh, attempts to deny coverage and then uh, the retreat essentially to the Medicare fee schedule of the yeah. commercial payers, it, it, they, they don't look much different. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, and of course, we're, we've been very frustrated with the Medicare Advantage plans too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a whole other conversation I for know. another day. But thank I know. you, Gerard. Quinn, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you coming on. And, uh, we got to get you back on. I look forward to talking to you, uh, talking to you more about this. And you're right. I think the legislature is going to be discussing health care and the industry in our state for sure. We got to. Appreciate it, Quinn. Thanks, man. Thank you. We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well Studio. Keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's middays, so... I have some news to share that Chuck Schumer and Robert Wright are going to go into a funk about. <laughs> General Motors has announced a $10 billion stock buyback. <laughs> They're on the floor hyperventilating at that news, aren't they? You know why? Because the stock hadn't moved. And because it haven't, hasn't moved, they can't get people to buy it. Because they don't see any future in it. It's trading for 31 bucks Now, on this news, it's up almost 10%, almost 3 bucks right now. That's how stock buybacks work. That's what happens. So you know what generally, the, and the fact that the, the shares are going up means that people are buying it. And guess why you need that? You fools. You want them EVs? <laughs> they got to have money to build the factories. And hire the people to build them. Except there's been lots of blowback from the auto industry on the Biden EV agenda because it's too fast. This force, this government force, you will do this at this point. By this date, just doesn't work. And in fact, Biden is headed to Colorado today to tout green investments. I just want to know who out there among us feels like that's their top priority. 
I guess I could say it's these green zealots you see that are activists that show up at events and disrupt fun, like Christmas parades. I guess it's them. But that's a sliver of the population. The average person, they're always talking about being advocates for working families. I just don't think working families are obsessed with the green stuff like they are. I don't think that's a kitchen table issue, as they say. I really don't. But they um, they continue to just force it down our throats. It's amazing. Have you guys seen this? Um, I want to get this right. This law rule that goes into effect in the European Union across the nations in the EU that will require all new cars sold this time next year, 2024, I think it's actually July of next year, to have some sort of anti-speeding technology? You seen this? Some, some sort of technology must be included on the vehicles... It's part of their broader general vehicle safety regulations. By July 2024, every new car sold in the EU must have this built-in anti-speeding technology. Incredible. Now that's what I call it. It feels a bit oxymoronic for a continent that also has the Autobahn. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) They trust their drivers enough and have enough regulations and rules put put upon their drivers to ensure that the Autobahn, which does not have a speed limit, is one of the safest roadways in the world. Yeah. But they don't trust their drivers enough to not speed without regulatory technology installed from the get-go. They call it Intelligent Speed Assistance, the acronym ISA. So there are people in this country who are pushing for the same regulation in this country. So there's apparently a lot of drivers in Europe already using these ISA-equipped vehicles. As if new vehicles weren't expensive enough. Exactly. Now add another gadget to them. And so I don't really get this concept of encourage it. It, what it's what the reports say, and there are numerous reports on this, it describes this ISA technology is an infrastructure, if you will, that includes systems that can detect road speed limits with front-mounted cameras, GPS or both, and how depending on how it's configured by the driver, it provides does the technology a reminder to the driver about the speed limit, and it automatically adjusts cruise controls if those are engaged to match the road speed or even reduce power to the motor just to slow down vehicles that are moving at a speed over the speed limit. And you know how much the liberal leftist Democrats in the country just fawn all over Europe. I mean, they're just absolutely the model, right? That's what we should all aspire to. 
is everything in Europe is better than here. That's what they'll tell you. And that's, and that's because Europe has moved more and more toward socialism, more government control, more central planning. This is a Well, they a, like a Europe except for example. Europe's abortion laws. That is true. They're, they have a different attitude on that than we do in this country. You're absolutely right about that. You know, something that they don't like is in Ireland. Did you know there's no corporate income tax in Ireland? And that Ireland has has uh, attracted a number of high tech companies. Be- oh yeah, because they um, they have first no corporate income tax, and second they have intellectual property law that's very similar to that of the U.S. And so, the yeah, big- they were the main manufacturing hub for the first big video game boom. Yeah, you remember the Atari with the wood grain paneling and everything. Yeah. Ninety-five percent of Atari household gaming consoles were manufactured in Ireland. Yeah, I, I did not know that. Uh, specific to the Atari console, I do remember them. I didn't know that. I know uh, my longtime uh, technology partner, Cisco Systems, has huge operations in Ireland, where they design and make lots of all this sophisticated network technology that honestly powers our whole dang world. And that was the reason. I talked to their executives about it when when they first started um, springing up plants back in the early 2000s. And I asked them, what, what's the deal with Ireland? That's when they told me, no corporate income tax and, uh, and intellectual property. Felt like that they were in good shape there. So imagine that. No corporate income tax, and, and corporations seem to gravitate towards those areas to set up shop. I can't believe that, because according to Robert Reich, we just can't do that. we got to have their money. And and according to Liz Warren and Biden, they're all mad at at uh, corporations. They they're maintain that they're the cause of inflation. See, this, this whole idea of price gouging, well, no, they're charging what you'll pay for it. You don't like the price, don't buy it. Is that not incredible? Um, and, but that's so. This big push now is for the junk fees. Are people walking around talking about? Yeah, if they would just cut those junk fees out, my household finances would improve dramatically. Is anybody talking about that? Do they think that's like integral to improving their household financial situation? If I just didn't have them junk fees. I just can't fathom. I, I think it's they they simply will not acknowledge or admit because it would be one a failure that it's your policies and it started with reversing everything Trump did and it was all because it came from Trump. It had nothing to do whether or not it was right good policy. It was just Trump's attached to it. Oh, we got to get rid of that. It's political. Arrogant, pompous, and then had to throw in that American rescue plan. And the idea was that this is this is how politics works. Yeah, we really don't need this, but we got to do something because this economy is probably going to get back on its feet. And we got a point. We got a point to what we did as the cause. If we don't do anything, then people may think it's 
because of Trump's policies returning to the way they were pre-pandemic. It's all about politics and trying to notch a so-called victory in the gun stock there. I mean, it's just crazy. It was totally unnecessary, and now we're all paying for it. Unbelievable. So Biden is just pouncing once again uh, yesterday on the junk fees. Junk fees take real money out of the pockets of average Americans. Five years of junk fees doesn't amount to what a couple of months of higher gas prices do. Maybe a week of higher gas prices since this guy's been in office. 38 Special bumping us out of this segment here on Middays. Half an hour left in the program today. We're coming right back. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone it's middays live from the element wealth studio uh the market's doing a little better trading upward uh that's looking good there the 10-year bonds down i really thought they'd be north of five percent based on the trend a short month ago they're down today it's one of the reasons the market is up uh bonds down the 10-year to about 4.27 that's important because your mortgages and credit card rates and installment loans, et cetera, are all tied to the 10-year. We do have some news to pass on down there at the Capitol. Actually, the meeting did not occur at the Capitol, but House Republicans have elected Jason White as the new speaker and Manley Barton as the speaker pro tem. No surprise there, I don't think. Uh, Rhino, but congratulations to Representative, now Speaker of the House, Jason White, and Speaker Pro Tem, Manley Barton. There you go. 79 members in the GOP caucus. Okay, they met at Annandale Golf Club. Wow. They met at my golf club. How about that? And it was unanimous and without dissent. The caucus voted for... Representative Jason White as the Speaker of the House, of the Mississippi House of Representatives. Of course, uh, Jason is from West Mississippi. Manley Barton is from Moss Point. He is the new Speaker Pro Tem. Really cool. That's pretty neat. Uh, It was a closed-door meeting. And... uh, Kind of a coronation of the speaker, so to speak. 
But it's good stuff. There we go. So we're all set. We know who we'll be talking to. <laughs> That's what we know at this point. Wanted to pass that on. If you haven't seen, folks, um, some of the stories about the hostages being freed, it's all heartbreaking, but especially the children, man. I, I just I can't get over it. You're a subhuman, honestly. You, you can't have a human makeup physically. If you take children as young as three months as hostages and use them as human shields to advance your twisted political agenda, really, I don't even know if I'd call it political, uh, it's just just an agenda, a, a totally twisted, radical, mis- ideological agenda. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, which is distinctive from political. Would agree. Um, and now it is fair to say, however, that in that world, the lines between ideology and politics are somewhat fuzzy. They do overlap a bit. Nonetheless, the stories are just so sad, so sobering. And it's it's just, I mean, unbelievable that that can go. I, I don't have words to describe it other than how could this go on in this world, in this day and age? How, how can that be? It should never happen, of course, but gosh, the, the world having been through so much of this sort of evil you would think that we continue to hopefully improve so that that stuff doesn't happen again. But these people are so convicted to that twisted ideology. They're willing to do anything. And in this case, use three months old. Heard a story that one child was a very young child, had a gun held to their head to force them to do something and were, were instructed not to speak with any volume. And when they were reunited with their family, had a hard time just returning to normal speech. Family had to work with them on it. You're a monster if you do that. I just, It's just heartbreaking, honestly. And I... I know that there's talk about extending the ceasefire. Gosh, I don't want to see any in any war, any carnage. No, that's never good. But the problem is you can't trust these people. They're not done. They made it very clear what their goal is. And I and I fear that while I get I get it, the ceasefire's good in that it it, it stops the killing. Stops the destruction, but if you're just prolonging the inevitable, which is that it happens again, you haven't achieved anything. Except, of course, get these few hostages released, and they're all precious and valuable children of God, and they should be, and I I get it. But you can't trust these people. How do you trust people who take three months old? as um, three-month-olds, as hostages. How can you trust them on anything? 
I don't see it. So we'll be uh, we'll be tracking that and seeing where that goes. Of course, there are members in our own Congress that are imploring Biden to do the same to Netanyahu, to implore him. Cease fire. You don't need to do anything else. And they've made it very clear, no, these people want to wipe us off the face of the planet. This, in fact, is the time to continue to press forward. They Don't give them time to regroup, to reconstitute. I, I agree. I, it's a tough one. It really is. And it's, and it's not that I support or condone war, but you've got to take stock of what in in sometimes you have to speak the only language they understand it's where we are i believe that i really do here at home by the way i'm worried about this funding situation here's why you you know that we talked to michael guest yesterday the congressman represents third district and speaker of the house mike johnson newly minted in that role well, there are 12 spending bills. Seven have been passed by the House, transmitted to the Senate. I believe they've passed three at this point. Five remain. There are a total of 12, regular order, funding the government. Five remain still in the House. Can't get them passed. Here's the problem. And then the continuing resolution, the money runs out. January 19th, the first tranche. And then uh, I think the first week of February, this second, and and they've divided uh, those two deadlines across which agencies uh, are no longer funded beyond that date in the in that pool of discretionary uh, spending. So they're only here's the problem I have sixteen. I went and looked at the calendar. There are only sixteen legislative days left to get these 12 bills passed by both houses, both chambers, 16. Now, I know sometimes things happen rapidly, I mean, at a furious pace. 16 is not a lot, given that we hadn't done very much to this point. Only three are ready to go to the president of the 12 16 days. And, of course, the detractors are are still saying, we've got to show real guts on spending cuts. I'm with them. I agree. Representative Tim Burchett, the Republican from Tennessee, he, he made that statement yesterday. He was the one, of course, that now is known for the rep who received an elbow from from Kevin McCarthy. That kind of died down, didn't it? Didn't hear much about that after the first couple of days. he wasn't getting any traction on his BS. He, he was looking for it, though, for personal attention. So Johnson has made it clear, I will not push through any more short-term stop-gap bills as we have done this year. Okay, you got 16 days, Mr. Speaker. 16 days. One of those bills, which covers, it's really critical to Mississippi, covers agriculture programs and the Food and Drug Administration. 
It has seen, it has met, been met with resistance, get this, over a provision limiting access to the abortion pill. Is it Mephipristone? Mephipristone? Did I say that right? I believe that's how you pronounce it. Mephipristone? That's a hard word to say. So that's a disagreement in the House that they can't get past. And I don't know who's on, on which side of that argument, but that's holding up that bill. And you know that's going to be controversial to get through. Coming right back with the final segment of Midday. Stay with us. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Other uh, bills, which is related to transportation, housing, and urban development, it is facing a battle over scheduled cuts to Amtrak. And the Republicans can't seem to agree on what that should look like. So if you just now joining us, folks, in the final segment, uh, this funding of the federal government is going to be front and center once again because the continuing resolution begrudgingly passed by the House with a new speaker, Mike Johnson, who totally opposes that approach to funding. In fact, that was at the core of why Representative Matt Gates invoked his right to call for a snap vote to remove the speaker, Kevin McCarthy, who was poised to pass another CR while they deliberated the 12 bills to fund the government. It's exactly what happened under Mike Johnson. They passed a CR to keep it going, this time through uh, part of the government, through middle of January, the other part, first week of February. But here's the big point. 16 days remain on the legislative calendar for lawmakers in Washington to pass 12 bills. To date, three have been passed. And there doesn't seem to be any pass to break the logjam to get the other nine passed. So might we be facing another continuing resolution? I wonder, Rhino, if that happens. I hope it doesn't. But if it does, will Matt Gates once again call for a removal? We may have a hard time finding anybody that raises their hand to do that job, honestly. That's where it's headed. Really believe that. Kevin in Monticello, by the way, says the hostages are not being freed. They're being two-to-one exchanged. I was kind of splitting hairs, though, Kevin. I mean, they're they're no longer in captivity. But I hear you. But Still, he is correct. There is a raw deal right. going on. I agree. It's two or three to one. I agree, but... Where you're trading criminals and terrorists for innocent civilians. I completely agree with that, and I'm quite sure that there was much discussion about that behind closed doors. 
by Israel, Netanyahu and team. Man, that's a tough one, isn't it, to be put in that situation. Because we got to give up these other terrorists, these legitimate prisoners who committed atrocities, to return these innocent civilians. Man, that's just tough. I can't imagine being in that predicament, honestly. And I'm quite sure that they're they're stewing over uh, every Palestinian that they return. You know they are. And that's, that's terrible. But it is good to see these innocent civilians being reunited with their families. But the stories are harrowing, and they're disgusting, honestly. This is what the Democrats' Be Nice agenda comes to on the ceasefire text line. Gary in the Berg says, Till more Republicans learn how to answer the Democrat bumper stickers in a debate, then it's going to be tough to win. The wealthy don't pay their fair share. We are all immigrants, racist and xenophobic to oppose immigration. I agree, Gary. They're very effective narratives. There's no doubt. And we've got to come up with some improved messaging. The other thing I noticed, Rhino, is that the Democrats are out-raising us with respect to um, campaign funds significantly right now. The Dems want the last-minute crunch of the bill, says Sharon and Brandon. That's how they force the Republicans into making concessions in order to get these bills passed. I think there's a lot of truth to that, Sharon, but that there's also truth to the fact that the Republicans can't seem to align on what uh, those bills should include and exclude. Can't seem to get that through our own dang caucus and in uh, conference, full, the full conference in the House there. So ho- hopefully we can, and then uh, that's what I would like to see happen, and get it over to the Senate and let them be the bad guys since that's under Senate control or Democrat control, pardon me. I hear you, though. Uh, I agree, says Jeff in Carrollton. Hamas and uh, uh, Hamas are subhuman, but the people here in the USA that support them are worse than Hamas. I agree with you, Jeff. I, I'm I'm... It's a, t- it's a tough equivalence to make and to reach. I totally get that. But I also agree with Jeff Rhino that it's despicable that they come out. It's insidious and support these monsters. It's willful ignorance. I think you're right. I really do. I think It's head just in the sand ignorance. Unbelievable. Well, I did note that members of Congress were uh, given... Access to view the video, you saw that, of the atrocities on October 7th. Wonder what they think about that. We're out of here today, today, folks. We appreciate you for joining us. We're back again with you tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.